This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. Getting used to these Monday mornings, Will. Happy Mondays now, they're called. Uh, I know this is probably your ideal podcast. You, you've managed to get Michael Dygan to come on in the second half of the show, awfully chairman and awfully legend as well. And it's just going to be an awfully loving. It's just going to be all things awfully. Yeah. You're, you're back. The second half is definitely going to be all awfully. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it, listen, it's, it's just good. It's good to be back at the top table again. Uh, not saying that we're going to be in the middle of it or up the top of it, but at least we're, we're there again. And uh, the signs are signs are very positive. And even over the weekend, even you know Antrim putting it up to, to Wexford again. And even Leash, with, a, with a quite a good performance, having started slowly against Kilkenny, maybe a sign that a few uh, a few teams outside of the traditionals maybe are starting to come back again. Yeah, and I think it was great to have a, a few fans in Corrigan Park as well for Antrim Axford. Uh, you know, it, it, we're getting kind of closer to that, hopefully happening more widespread across the board because the atmosphere, you know, you can get used to not having fans there, but then it's only when you see it again, you're like, oh, this is why we like it so much. Yeah, and even a small amount of people can make such a difference. Like even two or three hundred now, uh, when you're used to, to nobody at this stage, two or three hundred can make an unbelievable noise. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's the atmosphere that we all kind of crave, you know, there, there's, there's nothing like it. And obviously, you know, you have people roaring, you have people giving out, you have people booing, you have whatever, but it's just great to have that, that back. It just brings the buzz back again. Oh, big time, big time. And as I mentioned there, we're going to be talking to Michael Dyer in the second half of the show to reflect on Offaly's promotion to Division 1, as well as just kind of checking in about how the county's getting on, you know, how he's finding being the chairman and kind of getting into the administrative side of the game. But first, we're delighted to be joined by Vincent Hogan to look back on the Alliance Hurling League weekend. Vincent, how are you? Morning, Will. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, an interesting weekend, Vincent. I feel like pretty much after every round of hurling action so far in the league campaign, we've had like big chats about the direction of the game going forward. There was the issue with the freeze, the amount of freeze being given earlier in the campaign. And today, the team very much is the amount of scores that are now being put over the bar. Usually not really a problem. People like to see a lot of scores. But I suppose fundamentally, the game does seem to have changed a bit in the sense that you see Clare hitting 34 points over the weekend, Limerick hitting 33 with 20 wides as well. You know, I, would you be one of those people who do think it's maybe, maybe worrying as strong, but it's certainly a different game, or it appears that way anyway? Well, I think we have to be very careful, Will, that we don't end up complaining about everything because we've gone from there are too many frees in the game to, yes, Dick Galway scored 423 from play. So polar opposites. So what do we actually want? I think the biggest issue with hurling right now, and it really struck me on Saturday, the atmosphere in Corrigan Park with just 500 people in it, it gave hurling an edge that we've missed. And I'd, I'd be interested in Michael's view on this because I, I, I think it's a different game without hurling. It's a soulless game uh, without a crowd. It's a soulless game in an empty stadium. And, and I think there's a lot of forwards that maybe are secretly enjoying the fact there's no, no, no crowds there because, as you know... The fundamental thing, one of the fundamentals that happens with hurling is, say, a corner forward is beaten out to the ball first time. If he's beaten out to it the second time by someone like Michael Verney, the crowd are on his back. So a lot I haven't of beaten forwards, too many lads and too many balls, Vinny, I can tell you that. <laughs> but a lot of forwards are probably enjoying this a lot more without the crowds in there because there's no real pressure on them. But look, it's gone very tactical, Will. Uh, I was looking at Kilkenny in, in Nolan Park yesterday and under Owen Murphy's puck, it's very interesting. 
the Kilkenny half forwards gathered in clusters and it's clearly designed to take away the shape of the opposition half back line. What do you do? Do you go with them or do you hold your shape? Hurling has gone very tactical. The big issue, and I think the, the one issue that will be addressed is the ball. When you have guys getting the ball on their own 45 and feeling, yeah, I'll have a pop here because I can get a score. That is a problem. And, and I think that will be addressed, you know, probably by the end of the year. Yeah, Michael, I, I do take Vincent's point that like we don't want to be coming on every week and having one problem this week. And then Shane O'Neill, to be fair, to mention that, it's like, was it not last week we were saying there was way too many frees? Now we have a great score and it's too much scoring. He, he was kind of, I think, having a wry smile about the kind of the discourse. But that's that's what happens. From your perspective, you know, having played in defence at inter-county level, is it a backs game now? Or are those days gone? Like, you know, is it is it really weighted now towards attackers? And and, and is, is that a good thing? No, it's probably definitely not a backs game. And there was a... A Kilkenny, uh, a, a Kilkenny cohort of former players, all Ireland winners, that weren't too happy on, on Twitter yesterday between between Jackie Jackie Terrell and, Ed, and Eddie Brennan. And I know Richie Power wasn't happy the week before that, but Jackie is somewhat right in what he says. It, it's so hard to defend now. It's so hard to if somebody runs at you to nearly not give away a free now. Um, and it does seem that. Uh, if there's any contact, uh, the referee does have to make a decision. Very interesting watching Limerick on Saturday night, though, particularly in the first half. Their tackling was so well disciplined. They didn't leave arms in. They didn't leave a hurl in. They didn't give, uh, they didn't give Alan Kelly uh, the chance to blow. Uh, interesting what Vinny said there as well about the, the spectators. I do, I, I do agree with that. Uh, like I was at the Tipperary final last year, and even just to have 200 people there, I think it was for for Killadangan and Lockmore and all the drama and everything that that brought was unbelievable. And it does, there's a, there's a freedom for a forward. You know, you, t- you take a shot, it, it goes it goes wide with no one there. You might get another shot in five minutes and be able to rectify it. Whereas, you know, if there's a couple of thousand people there, you take a shot, there's a load of, there's a load of noise almost. There's a load of cheers nearly you're putting the ball wide. Uh, it kind of can seep into your subconscious, can erode away your confidence. Whereas now, you know, you could, you could take a shot and you could get another shot 30 seconds later and there's the, the pressure isn't ramped up, shall we say. That's what was so great about Corrigan Park the other day. It's like everything was ramped up. Every mistake that was made, the, the fans were in on top of you. Um, even <laughs> mad, the pictures going around of even uh, Jerry Adams in the ba- in the background of some of the shots at the game. Um, but it, it was, it was, uh, and even like some of the, you know, uh, pundits that were up north the week before when there was, you know, four or 500 people in, it, it does feel like an awful lot more than that. And it does, the atmosphere just heightens the pressure. Uh, the pressure uh, almost makes for more mistakes, which a lot of the time is more interesting than, you know, balls flying over and back over the bar. But yeah, I, I would be, I would be reluctant to just be jumping all over saying it's too high scoring. You have to remember as well, aside from the Gaelic grounds, you know, Parnell Park and Pierce Stadium are definitely two of the smaller pitches in Ireland. And it's, you know, it's a county ground. You're less, far less likely to see that happening in Crow Park or in Turles. But uh, sometimes I think we, you know, a lot of people won't be happy no matter what happens. As Vinny said, 4.23 from play. If, if you know, if there'd been 20 points of that from freeze, people would have been given out saying there was too much for freeze. So I do think we're getting closer to finding that kind of happy balance between the two. And there's no way, not in a month of Sundays, will uh, anybody go through the Waterford defence in championship like they did in league. There was an there was an exhibition element to some of the games as well. So I do think we'll find that happy balance. And I don't think you'll see ridiculous scores like that in championship. I, I think a point that probably should be made as well, Michael, is that <clears throat> this isn't a normal league. Like we may not even get a league final. We may not get champions crowned. So it is very much a league that different teams are trying different things. And, I, you know, I was reading Brendan Cummins and, and Brendan is very much of the view that what happened in Limerick on, on Saturday night, for example, you know, Cork persisted with the short puck out, even though it was so high risk and the, the high Limerick press was putting them in trouble all the time. But he's of the view that they're looking at down the line, the Munster semi-final, that game what's going on out beyond their own 65 and that they'll be studying the video really intensely to see how they can get beyond the press. Because what was happening, Patrick Collins, I felt on Saturday night was going short was so high risk. And then when he go long, you knew Dermot Burns or Declan Hannon, they're almost smiling while the ball is in the air because they're going to win it. That's not going to happen when they meet in the Munster Championship. So, you know, maybe Cork are looking at that and saying, where can we target further out beyond our 65 to land ball. So, 
you've, you've got to figure in that this is a different league and it's a lot of experimenting going on. And it, I agree with Michael. There's no way Waterford will be that open when they go into the championship. But people are trying things. Yeah, Michael, just on the Limerick game, you know, Limerick 33 points, Cork 219. Like, how, how important was it for Limerick to get that win? Like, as I said, you know, the first one of their league campaign, which no one would have predicted going into it, you know, is there much to read into it? Like considering they play each other in their championship game, you know, and not too, not too distant future. Like, is there much to read into that game at the weekend? You think? Yeah, no, I think there was definitely, uh, there was definitely a few things gleaned by both managements and both kind of sets of players. Uh, number one, like aside from a couple of possessions, like Limerick just did not allow Mark Coleman to get into the game. They they just had Keane Lynch Roman and I think Coleman was following him a good bit as well. But I'd say Limerick will think that they've stumbled on you know, a good way of, you know, totally nullifying one of Cork's most important players, probably their orchestra at the back. They also, when they, when they, when they were able to press high, as Vinny said, they were able to make them go along. Like, that's what, essentially, that's what every team wants to make Cork do. Uh, you don't think maybe that they have, aside from Seamus Harnady, Harnady, a lot of really, really good, you know, primary ball winners. So I do think that Limerick will try and keep with that press. The thing is with Cork, there were, I think there were some, there were some, like, chinks of light in that game for Cork as well. When did when they did kind of persevere with the short game and when they were able to kind of break that line and break that initial press, like they created four or five goal scoring chances, got to Richie English made a you know a last gap say last gap save for a goal. There was a couple of other good chances as well. I think from a Cork point of view they will think, yeah, fair enough, we, we were beaten by you know the Ren All Ireland champions. But there was definitely a lot of good in in what we did, and uh, I think both I think both will have kind of gleaned a couple of things from it. And I'd be surprised if you know some elements of what you saw last Saturday night are are not still present when you go to that championship game because there was just a, the the Lynch thing was definitely really interesting because they, they nullified Mark Coleman, and I think Cork's perseverance so easy to revert to type when things are going wrong, particularly against the best team in the land. And in fairness, they persevered, and uh, you know. It was a 50-50 kind of game in the second half. And as I said, those goal-scoring chances are the big thing for Cork. If they, you know, if they can hit four or five goals in a championship game, like they're, they're not going to be beaten. So it's interesting. It's, I, I think from a Cork point of view, if you're playing Cork, I think there's, a, a, there's an element of fear maybe that wasn't there before. There's an element of fear that, oh, geez, these guys could overrun us here. Because they did overrun them at different stages the other night. One interesting juxtaposition between the two teams is the amount of goals Cork have scored in the league, Vincent versus Limerick have only scored one. I think Cork have scored maybe 16 or something like that. It's it's a funny one. Like, and even in the championship last year, I think Limerick only scored a goal in one of their championship games against Tipperary. I think they scored three that day, but didn't score in the rest of the championship. Not that it ultimately mattered a great deal to them. It's just an interesting thing to note about this Limerick team is that you wouldn't say they're goal averse necessarily, but they're happy to pick off points. And you know, when you're putting up 33 with 20 wides, you're getting a lot of chances. Yeah, I think they had something like fifty-six shots in total. Well, they, you know, if you're if you're going to get in the mid-thirties with your point scoring, chances are you're not going to need goals. Now, it's not that they're not trying. Pat Ryan dipped the shoulder a couple of times, tried to get in. The Cork defending was decent in the, in those instances. The worry I would have for Cork is I'm looking at, and a lot was made of it. Was a very young Cork team on Saturday night, and it was, and they left a lot of big players out. Still no sign of Seamus Harnady coming in there. My information is his form is very poor. I think they'll need an inform Harnady or a ball winner, certainly on the half-forward line. But I look at the size of these Limerick lads, and you've two leaving cert students. Colin Coughlin started, got two points from wing-back, and then Cahill O'Neill. We've all been looking forward to seeing this Cahill O'Neill. I was down in Salt Hill. He started against Galway. Didn't really go for him. He was taken off... <clears throat> But he came on as a sub um, on Saturday night. And, and you look at the size of these guys. They're sitting there leaving start this Wednesday, but they're huge guys. They're six foot two, they're six foot three, but their physical readiness is what strikes me. And this is a Limerick team, bear in mind, Nicky Quaid didn't start. Don, Dan Morrissey was rested. Uh, Kyle Hayes was suspended. Um, who else? Seamus Flanagan was suspended. Um, Gerard Hegarty. Gerard Hegarty, <laughs> the hurler of the year, didn't play. And yet they were just going through the motions. I, I, I always feel with this Limerick team that sometimes they have another gear if it's needed. And it's that physical deficit. You look at the size of Cahal O'Neill besides, say, Jack O'Connor, who got the two goals. I don't know how you bridge that gap. 
Um, obviously, what we've seen with Cork in the last few years is they have a way and, and they have, you know, they kind of don't go into the collision. They avoid the collision. And, and that is the style of, you know, they're going for goals. They're running at you. But Limerick, to me, have a group of about 22, 23 players that are just so physically authoritative. And, and I see a physical deficit there if, if Cork can't find a way of getting beyond that press. Now, maybe they have a way and maybe they're just not showing their hand right now. But the thing that struck me was that physical press in the first quarter, particularly where I think Limerick had eight wides, but they had 11 scores to four. They were just so much on top. That's a huge deficit to make up for in the few weeks between now and the Munster semi-final. Definitely one to look out for. And even as you mentioned, having two leaving for students able to physically mix it at inter-county level is, is pretty crazy and a very impressive feat for the two lads. And Mike, but to maybe move on to Salt Hill, an interesting one. Galway 428, Waterford 323, very high scoring, as we touched on earlier. Interestingly, Waterford leading 212 to 19 after half an hour, but then a 2-4 blitz before the break kind of put Galway on the on the road to victory. Brendan Cummins today is saying that, you know, Galway for him, watching them yesterday, they look like really serious Ireland challengers. Like, we've kind of discussed it before, but are they the next best place team to challenge Limerick? They got closest in the championship last year. I think so. Um, and in, in a player like Brian Kincannon, I think you have one of the most informed players in the country and vastly becoming, you know, one of their most important players. You're looking at, you know, between himself, probably Connor Whelan and Joe Canning. Like, there's three guys from we'll say eight upwards um, that are just can really, really light it up on a given day. It was actually funny with, with Joe Canning yesterday. It was quiet at midfield, picked up a bit of a knock and all of a sudden ended up in a two-man full forward line and, you know, caused serious damage in there. That's probably something that, you know, a lot of people, I think Cottle Moore was on commentary for TG Catter and I think he's been calling for, for a while to, to put him in full forward and getting back to, I suppose, where he started uh, his county career and where he burst on, onto the scene with that, what's it, 213, I think it was against Cork down in down in Turles in a qualifier. Uh, so they've probably stumbled on something there. They put Conor Whelan at centre forward. Um, you know, we probably thought he probably said about Mark Coleman not being in the game. Like Watford couldn't get Austin Gleeson into the game. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's. I'm not sure if that's something that's going to going to work for championship. Um, I just think he's he's so uh, he's so attack minded. He wants to go forward, uh, and I, I'm not sure if. I'm not sure if centre back is the best option there. I don't. I think they might be better with someone like Irla Daly, who's gonna, uh, who's gonna hold the centre back position and give Conor Prunty, uh, more of kind of more kind of safety uh, in the full back line. But from a Galway point of view, you're just looking and seeing. There's so many different scores, so physical. Dottie Burke was centre back yesterday, which is an interesting one. Um, finding that kind of juggling balance between getting him and McInerney in. McInerney was centre-back, obviously, in 17. Hasn't played that much there since, apart from, you know, he did play there in 18. Hasn't played that much there in 19, 20 and 21. Wonder, are they going to go with, with Dahi Burke out centre-back now as well? But they've definitely got loads of options. Like Adrian Tui was up wing forward yesterday, having played the first couple of games wing back and, and was very good. Sean Loftus was out the field, having played a couple of games corner-back. They've got, you know, they've got a lot of options. Um, and even Evan Nyland coming in, they have these players that can, can come in, come in and make a big impact off the bench now. So they're definitely, uh, I think they're clear, they're clear second favourites to Limerick, to be honest. Yeah, Vince, what's your assessment of Galway? You know, do you agree with Michael there on, on, on where they are in the pecking order? I would. Um, I was in Salt Hill the day they beat Limerick, and the one thing they did, which very few teams can do, is they went shoulder to shoulder. They went man on man, and they have that physical presence. It's interesting. I was listening to James Scahill on the radio, and he's looking at it from a, a goalkeeping perspective. And you know, I I would have thought their use of Joe Canning in midfield was largely to just get Canning back into running. You know. Get, get action into the legs. I, I wasn't sure it was ever really a long-term plan. Um, he has room out there. He can dictate, dictate a, lot, a lot of the play. But Skehel was saying that he would always have Canning on the edge of the square. He would, as he would always have TJ Reid on the edge of the square, as he would always have Shamie Callan on the edge of the square because they carry such a threat. Now, I'm not sure that Shane O'Neill will go with Canning on the edge of the square because I'm not sure Canning wants to be on the edge of the square. To me, the perfect role for Joe Canning is that floating role on the 40 where he can go where he likes, where he can play the, the quarterback. Like what we saw with Keane O'Neill on, on Saturday night, 
this ability to just float around, go to the spaces where you think the ball is going to be. I thought O'Neill in the first half on Saturday night gave an absolute exhibition of that kind of floating role. I think that's the role that Canning likes. But definitely you see it inside, in that inside line, he brought a new dimension to it when he went in there yesterday. And that little flick for Cannon's second goal, he's a huge threat. But I think the, the real positive for Galway is the form of Concanon, like Michael says. Connor Whelan continues to be outstanding. I think he got six points from play yesterday. And Canning. Canning has improved incrementally with every performance this year. I think they're looking like a serious, a serious possibility this year. Yeah, and 2-2 for Brian Concanon. And as you say, six points from Connor Whelan. Massive contributions from, from play. And from a Waterford perspective, Michael, like you mentioned it earlier, you don't think... They will be so open, or they would be. Their defense would part like that. But to concede four goals to Galway, they conceded I think five in the opening day against Cork. They only did concede one goal in their other two matches across the two of them. So it wasn't in every game. But worrying, we still worrying with the championship around the corner. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like the day against Cork, it was like a landing strip down the center of the defense, and it was kind of similar yesterday. Uh, I just don't. I just don't think Austin Gleeson is best served there. Um, I just think he offers so much up front. Like against Cork, he was like easily their best player. He had five from play that day. He's attack minded. He's not as a centre back. Like look at Declan Hannon. He's defence first. You know, um, you have to you, you have to be sitting back on that forty five. You have to be protecting. Um, it mightn't look like you're doing a lot at different stages but you're just filling an area where a team cannot go into. They're not going to put ball in around there. You're not going to be exposed as a result. And I just think Gleeson wants to bomb forward, and I think they should let him bomb forward, either from midfield or probably from the half-hour line. Um, but Waterford are going to have to sort out what, what they're going to do with number six. They're playing tip the next day. <laughs> Interesting, that, like they're likely to meet in championship in, in a month or five weeks' time. Like, Will they be going with what they expect to have for the first round against Clare? I'm I'm not so sure, but they definitely need to uh, they definitely need to sort out things there, particularly at number six. Like you had Caleb Lines at, at wing back yesterday, who had five points from play. I think he scored two eighteen from play. I see Tomas McCarthy, the Waterford journalist, had it yesterday. Since Liam Catlin's taken over, he scored two eighteen from play, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but they might need to curb their attacking instincts a small bit. To keep things a bit tighter at the back. Like you, you concede three or four goals in a championship game. Simple. You're just you're not going to win any of those games. So they're going to have to try and you know have what they hold before they go really rampaging forward. I'd say. Yeah, Vincent. Uh, Michael makes an interesting point about Austin Gleeson, a player that you know we've discussed over the last number of years his best position. And even you mentioned Brendan Cummins' piece today. He focused a lot about Austin Gleeson and his role at number six and whether it's the right fit. You know, what, what's your view on that? You know, he has so much talent. He could probably play pretty much any position he wanted to. But where, what is the best position, do you think, for him? I think the problem with centre-back, and look, Austin Gleeson won in All-Ireland at centre-back at minor level. Um, the, the problem is Austin Gleeson hurls an instinct. And as Michael says, he wants to go forward. And, and he has got himself into great shape. And he's he's a real freewheeling scorer when he's out around the, the half forward line. But if you were actually putting him in centre back, I was I was watching, for example, Hugh Lawler, normally a fullback, played centre back for Kilkenny yesterday, and he didn't know whether to come or go. Ross King came out to the 40 for leash, and Lawler was really uncomfortable because it's in his instincts were as a fullback. Very different instincts needed at centre back. But you're now asking Austin Gleason. I remember Derek McGrath trying to give him a few different responsibilities as a wing forward in terms of opposition puckouts. Austin Gleeson doesn't want to have a prescriptive role in any way, in my opinion. He wants to be able to go where he feels the ball is going to land. You can't do that as a centre-back in the modern game. You've got to hold that, that, that line. Um, and I think it's good for Waterford, they're finding this out early, um, they've, they've got that game against Tip I'd be surprised if Austin plays number 6 against Tip in the, in the final round um, I think Irla Daly is probably a much more conventional choice if they go there, but the big problem for Waterford is Ty de Borca is missing and without Ty de Borca there's a huge hole in that defence that needs to be filled, they've got Conor Prunty who's really developing into a top class number 3, but he needs a sitting number 6 in front of him to protect them and I think that'll be the priority with Liam Cahill this week. Who is he going to put in that role? Because I very much doubt come championship that Austin will be a number six. 
just on that will as well that they have they are getting a lot right up the far end of the pitch like Shane Bennett's Shane Bennett got a brilliant goal I haven't seen a drop puck I think since Joe Erie got a goal in the 98 All-Ireland final I'd say um, and like he's coming back to form he needed to get more minutes under his belt Stephen Bennett hasn't probably hit the heights of of last year but you know he, he's getting there and you know it's great to see three brothers obviously from like Paddy Saggart's a tiny club all three of them playing in the one kind of forward line and Jack Prendergast was brilliant yesterday as well they didn't start Jack Fagan I, I think at the other end of the pitch Trost and Gleeson up the other end of the pitch as well you've got a serious attacking threat it's all about just kind of to be honest it's just all about plugging that hole at centre back and as Vinny said centre back is probably the most difficult position to play in modern hurling it's not like you know, Brian Corkin or Hubert Rigney or one of these boys back in the day where you just put ball down on top of the centre-back and you fetch ball. It, it's so uh, tactically minded. And uh, I think they'd probably be better served with maybe Erla Daly at centre-back and, and let Austin Gleeson do what he does up the pitch. Yeah, one of the big selection decisions uh, for Liam Cal for sure, going forward. To, just to wrap things up, then, Vincent Kilkenny now assured of top spot in their division, as you mentioned. We don't know if there'll be a league final, depending on who plays who in the championship later on. But... They haven't been particularly flashy, but then another another kind of check mark for Brian Cody. We were talking at the start of the campaign how while there's a lot of murmurings in Kilkenny, he's actually you know doing pretty good job results wise. Top spot in the division, you can't ask for more than that. No, well I've I've been <clears throat> I've been very impressed with Kilkenny. I'm particularly impressed with them last week against Wexford. I thought the way they varied their play, you know, this old kind of cliche about Kilkenny they don't do tactics under Cody by God they're very tactical at the moment and they're in great shape Mickey Comerford has got that team into great physical shape still no sign of Richie Hogan or Wally Walsh or these lads coming back I think Billy Ryan has kicked on he only scored a point yesterday but and he was blocked down for about three of them but he really looks a confident player now and I think Billy Ryan will be a big player for Kilkenny in this championship obviously TJ wasn't involved yesterday Adrian Mullen, their captain, signs that he's coming back to form now after that bad injury. I like the look of Kilkenny. I think I think Cody is trying different things. They've kind of topped their group with a with a round to spare, at their ease, I would say. And you know they're probably going to play Wexford in a in Leinster semi final right now. You'd have to say they look in better shape than than Davy Fitz's Wexford at, at the moment. Now when they played Wexford. Davy Fitz was trying all manner of different things. Liam McGovern is a sweeper. He's not a sweeper. He never wants to be a sweeper. So it's very hard to know what to make of that game in Nolan Park. But right now, Kilkenny are in a very good place. And, you know, if you're talking about Limerick and Galway being the pace setters, right now, I probably have Kilkenny at number three. I think they're in good place. Yeah, Michael, what's your view on them? Like at the start of the league, I think, as we said, we thought Brian Cody had done a good job and that maybe some of the criticism, I know John Milan was very strong saying that it, he thought it was it was unfair. Um, you know, where are they in, in the shake-up at the moment, do you think? Uh, well, they're definitely modernising, as Vinny says there. They're definitely uh, they're definitely mixing the short and the long. And if anything, there's probably more short than long now. And we would have known it, uh, known them as, you know, a win-your-all ball, get the ball in there and you have to win it. But they're definitely playing through the lines an awful lot more. and They're definitely playing with their heads up an awful lot more now too. Uh, I I still I I still would question whether the quality is there maybe to win an All Ireland outside of uh, as John Milan had it in his column a couple of weeks ago maybe outside of Owen Murphy and maybe Parik Walsh and TJ Reid and uh, I'm not sure if you know they'd have many more would say that would make the best fifteen in the country but in those three if those three are playing well they're never going to be too far away and Owen Cody Billy Ryan. Uh, Connor Brown even as well. They're they're all getting more time. They're all looking an awful lot more solid. Uh, and as Vinny said, they were kind of, I, I, they were kind of blown away physically a bit by Waterford last year in the All Ireland semi final. They've obviously done a big block of work. They're never going to be far away. You know exactly what you're going to get from them every day. There's going to be an unbelievably honest effort. Uh, is the quality there to win an All Ireland? I'm not so sure. Uh, could they take out? someone that would see themselves as big All-Ireland contenders, yes, they, def- they definitely could. Yeah, only one round of the audience currently need to go, but the storylines are shaping up nicely ahead of the championship as well. Vincent, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure, Will. Well, it's now time to turn our attention towards Offaly Hurling here in the Throw-In Podcast in association with Alliance, And we're delighted to be joined by Offaly Chairman and double All-Ireland winner with the county as well, Michael Dygden. Michael, how are you? 
I'm good, Will. Thanks very much. No, great to have you on. I, I suppose it's a, it's a good time to have you on as well. Awfully going so well. You're, you're back in Division 1 and I know you, your son himself on the, on, on the score sheet yesterday with a goal. Me and Michael Verney were talking before you came on air. We don't know if there's ever been a quicker goal in the Alliance League. Uh, so all things going well for Offaly at the moment? Yeah, look, um, my, Michael texted me on, I think it was on Saturday to see where it come on this morning. And I said to myself, if we win, to, if we win on Sunday, we'll, <laughs> I'll come on because it could have been an awful different conversation this morning um, otherwise. But look, um, I suppose um, Michael would know this having played with the county I suppose we've, we've gone through a very very tough time over the last I suppose the guts of 20 years nearly now um, but certainly the last 15 I suppose where things have really um, gone backwards and uh, I suppose you had to stop the slide somewhere so you know you'd be delighted starting out in the league uh, you know when, when you go back to the, the great days of playing and, and you know you're, you're looking at some of the teams you're playing you should, you should be winning those games easily but that's not the reality the reality is we were in the Christie ring last year we couldn't win it uh, the third tier of hurling, and you're just looking at the league matches, and you're saying we're we're up against it here. But the, the change in the players, uh, I think Michael Fenley has done a fantastic job. But last year he came in uh, for his first year, and COVID hit. And I think any manager anywhere in the country that was on his first year was very hard for them because they didn't know the players and they had no chance with them, and they were locked down straight away. And uh, I think after the Christie Ring, everyone had a good look at themselves and the work that the lads have done on their own since. Um, like there was no collective training, but, uh, obviously, but the work that the players put in uh, since since last December uh, has been massive. And you can see that, I think, uh, in their fitness levels, in their physique. Um, they're very young. They're very ambitious. And Michael Fenley obviously has a massive pedigree as a, as a player and as a person. Johnny Kelly as a coach. And they've got a chance now over the last eight or ten weeks, whatever they went back. Uh, to put their stamp on it, but to, but to have a very eager group willing to learn and uh, and it's been great. It's, I think the bit of, with our footballers as well. I think it's the way we're playing as well is important for Offaly people. You know, we like a bit of style and uh, and and to play the game in, in a certain way, and that's there as well. So uh, a long a long way of answering your question. Just but we are we're delighted. It's, it was a huge huge day for us yesterday, and next year bring different challenges. Obviously, back whether we're Welsh in Tipperary or Limerick or Kilkenny or Waterford or Galway, whoever it is. Uh, to Offaly next year, but isn't it fantastic for, for us as hurling, uh, hurling people at Offaly who love their game and we will really look forward to that and that'll bring different challenges and it'll take a while for lads to get used to that level of play but I think that will come. I, I, um, I think we have a lot of good young players coming after them and we saw five or six subs, seven subs coming on yesterday and everyone put their hand up and played well and they came on. So good. Uh, <clears throat> and you have to enjoy this. There's a lot of, was a lot of tough days uh, when you're involved in the GEA, whether it's a player or administrator or anything else. And so when you get days like yesterday, when you see the progress the lads have made, um, you, you really have to enjoy it. So it's been, it's been super. Yeah, Vernie, like, how important is it for the county to be back at the top table in Division 1 and mixing yourselves against uh, you know, the top-tier teams? Obviously, you'll hopefully go up, I'm sure, in the Chrissy Run Cup later in the year as well to get into the championship bracket as well. But for the moment, you know, how big will it be next year being able to test yourselves against the best? Asher, it's massive. Uh, I was only chatting to the captain, Ben Keneally, after the match yesterday, and he was just saying like a lot of the, a lot of the younger guys haven't played, you know, the Tips or the Kilkenny's or any of these guys. They, they've been playing maybe... Uh, the Kildares and the Downs in recent years since they came on the panel so like there's nothing like that experience uh, uh, and Michael probably knows this better than anyone like will there be uh, a couple of maybe chasing ex- experiences along the way yeah there, there probably will be but you have to experience that to realise I suppose the level that's the level that they uh, aspire to they aspire to get up to that Neil McCarthy level and be really really competitive again it will be tough don't get me wrong and if you look at Westmead you probably see how, how tough it could potentially be, but we're kind of really on the, the crest of a wave. Um, it's hard to put hard to put your finger on, like, and even chatting to Michael Fenley, he finds it hard to put his finger on, you know, what exactly has changed. But an awful lot has changed in in seven months. Like the performance, the word I used to describe their four performances in the league so far, they've been like unbelievably thorough, like just seriously thorough, like putting up big scores, really clinical. Uh, they've averaged, I think it's 34, 34.75 points uh, per game this year, 12 goals in four games. Uh, you know, they put a huge score against the Kerry, you know, Kerry outfit that have, you know, gotten gotten the, the, the better of us in recent years. You know, Down obviously beat us in penalty shootout last year in the Christy Ring semi-final. That was a big setback. Yesterday started well and most importantly, we're able to keep the foot to the floor and, you know, really, really clinical, not allowing teams back into games. I think they were eight up at the water break, 12 up at half time. I think they were 15 up at the second water break and then, you know, win the game by 18. They're doing exactly 
what you would want them to do. And I think from an awfully supporter's point of view, there's been so much um, worry and heartache in recent years just to see how clinical they were yesterday and how clinical they've been the whole way through. It, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, Michael, Michael Friendly said, the one thing he said, the only thing if he was putting his finger on it, he said, he said he thinks the players are a lot more selfless maybe than they were the year before. They will always give the ball to the man in the right position. And a classic example of that yesterday, I think it was the, I think it was the fourth goal. Uh, Oshin Kelly was solo and true, solo and true, and Liam Langton who was on his blind side. I don't even know how he saw him, and he just gave a lovely little deft little hand pass across to the to the man in the better position, and that was a goal. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was brilliant. I said we've had an awful lot of heroin heroin days and days with you know asking what's gone wrong with awfully hurling and have we hit rock bottom yet and is there going to be another rock bottom so it's great to have things turned around and like no matter what way you look at it, we're in the top 12 uh, hurling teams in the league for next year and that's that's a huge progress um before we even get to the summer yeah and as you say in terms of the ruthless nature of the wins like four victories by 16 21 11 and 18 which is mightily impressive and michael i'd be interested to know you know i suppose your your own story you know going in as, as chairman and awfully like what was for you the big challenge taking on that job what was what were the things you were looking to identify to try to get the county back up competing with the best um i don't know if you have the rest of the day uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about that but um look uh i suppose it was, it was a frustration, I suppose. Like, I never had any um, real intent or interest or never saw myself being in, a, in, in an administrative position like this. I got involved with the club here in Ballinamere Doro in 2010. I became chairman of the minor club, and that was nearly by accident as well. And so we, built a, we built a club with 110 kids in the club uh, at that time, and maybe seven or eight coaches. And we have, I think we have 460 or 70 and 60 coaches now, all level one, guard vetted, you know, childhood protection courses everything very well run club and it was i suppose i was just saying you know if you could mirror that across the county and um like it was probably three there's probably three areas that um i'd say our whole coaching and games uh culture that encompasses an awful lot that encompasses you know uh you know the coaching our clubs the, the schools what's happening in our schools we like we have what has been our strength i think over the years was we have a small enough uh group of people sometimes if you have too many players i think it can be an issue as well but we always had we always had a, a few schools and we had our clubs going well and we seem to have lost that. You know, we'd, we'd, gone, we'd gone backwards uh, all over the place. <clears throat> so it's about just stabilising, getting our clubs going, getting our clubs working. So club development would have been huge and we're working away on that and uh, and clubs are buying in and we have nurseries starting there this year all over the county and basic stuff in ways, but still stuff that needs to be done. The whole GPO, we had no GPOs in the county and we, we've only a couple still, but we're, we, we have 14 clubs uh, out there have applied now and we're looking at that whole model, our whole coaching and games model. Uh, financial stability, I think, was first important. You know, it was kind of hoping for the best, I think, every year. Like, you need that sort of structure uh, around sponsorship and fundraising and we had a very difficult year with COVID. We lost 270 grand last year. With that last year now, and I think going into next year, we, we, we'll be in a good position. Um I think the Faithful Fields is a massive addition to us where we train um, and all the lads are going in there. Um, like Every night that place is full now. We have four minor teams training at the minute. Last year's two teams in Leinster Finals and this year's teams with the 20s. Probably um, ladies football use the facility. Um, and it's just doing the simple things well and making sure everybody is happy and looked after and, um, you know, and that, that bit of ambition is there and enjoyment. I say that to everybody that I meet, like we're supposed to enjoy this. This is a voluntary thing. There's supposed to be a smile on your face. I hear this is not supposed to be the end of the world. Uh, every day and and it's just getting I suppose uh, I would say what Michael said there about the about the, the players uh, or about the, the, the change well I would say the change if, if my uh, I was looking for Michael Fennell earlier on to have a chat I didn't get him yet uh, the biggest like the panel has changed completely and um, there's a lot of lads that had given great service to Offaly you know that had been around the panel for a while and uh, they, they stepped away or they were let go or whatever and we had to go with the with, with the youth I think 10 of yesterday's team were 23 or under Killian Sampson's 19, Brian is 20, Ross Ravenhill and Berkey, all the lads there, um, 21. Ben, even Ben Keneally is only 23, you know, um, like people forget he's around so long. So I think, uh, and, and the physical development of those lads in, in, in a short space of time has been massive. Now there's still an awful long way to go. Um, but it's the same with the football. There just seems to be a great spirit on the ground. John Mahan rang last night. Uh, he'd, he'd been on to Michael. He was so excited to see the hurlers. Uh, Everybody is buying into it, and obviously Shane Lowry coming on board. And he was texting me last night. Uh, he texts me every Sunday after the matches, so it, it, it's uh, 
you know, I think that's given everyone a lift as well to have that partnership. So it's just it's just all those little bits and pieces. And um, and and I would have always said I had no problem with it. like people give their lives to after GA and 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 did a lot for, in terms of time and effort. And I will ever do, I suppose, in this role. But I just felt we weren't doing things the way we should be doing them. And we had to change um, a lot of stuff. And there is a lot of change going on. And we've used the COVID time, I think, really well. Uh, people don't know about everything to know what's going on. This is all nitty gritty stuff that needs to be done. So it's all happening quietly. There's a very hard working management group there on the county board, um, very efficient. And just they're getting nominated, they're enjoying it. So look, it, it's, it's all of that. And I think the players then feed off that. Um, you know, they just have to go and train and play and enjoy themselves. And that's it. It's keep it simple and it's going well. Michael, were you, uh, were you, have you been overawed at any stage with the, the level of commitment and work involved at board level? Uh, Donica Boyle, my colleague in the Independent, was chatting to Colin Cummins uh, a while back and other various uh, volunteers. It is a serious undertaking. Uh, yeah, I suppose, Michael, what it says, I think people probably maybe thought I didn't think about it. I, I knew that I run my own business. Um, and I suppose there's some days I don't run it. Uh, I, I, you don't even get to it. Uh, that's the truth. Um, but Colin Cummins is a phenomenal guy, uh, the secretary. He, he's just come in this year. Uh, Daryl Dolan, who's the treasurer, is a chartered accountant. Colin is a strategic planner in the ESB. Uh, busy jobs, but have a huge passion. And, and, and not just picking out them. If you take James Murphy and Christy Todd that run, run our CCC, like the efficiency of that and uh, the way they operate. Um, and sh- even the... You know, Sinead Daly came in, Karina's doing, Karina Carroll is our chair of Cushion and Oak, and she's, talk about working, like she's the secretary of Alan GA, she runs the underage over there, she's chair of Cushion and Oak, I don't know, I don't actually know how she does it, right, so those people, uh, I think, you know, there's a huge amount of delegation, I, I, I'm finding probably now that I'm not as much involved in, in some of the stuff I was in the first year, that I'm able to stand back, my biggest focus is to keep my eye on hurling and football. Um, you know, we, that's, I think, what happens with a lot of county boards. You get so caught up in the day-to-day operation side of it, um, it's, it's massive. So, so what I, I try to do is try to stay above that, look at the deal with the management teams, the players. Um, like, I would have a fair handle on every hurler off league from a certain age, from probably 15 or 16 up to 34 or 5. And, and, and not afraid, maybe able to talk to Johnny and Michael about players now, which I couldn't last year really going into the job in the first time. But you're able to have a chat now with the lads and uh, about all that sort of stuff and making sure that, that everything that they need has been provided. And, and, and I have to say one thing here about John Mahon and Michael Fenley. Uh, we've come out of COVID and their, and their backroom teams. Um, their boys have been working in the background. This work that goes on in inter-county GA is huge. And they're back training now forever long. There's not one person that looked for penny expenses, look for anything for th- uh, this year. They're just heads down working. They know the financial situation we're in. Everybody's just uh, shoulder to the wheel. And they will get their expenses. They will get sorted. And we are sorting out all that. But there's no... There's nobody looking for a thing. It's just get down, do the work, and get on with it. Uh, and and we're fierce lucky to have like Michael Fenley and John Mahon are two hugely uh, impressive people, and, uh, and and we're very very lucky to have them in Offaly. And and the backroom teams and Johnny Kelly in the hurling. We're talking about hurling this morning. Is a, is a fantastic coach, but to see the passion he has for Offaly, to see the fire in his eyes, um, that's what it's all about. And I think we had lost a lot of that. We were going through the motions. Um, but there's no one going through the motions anymore. These, these, these people are very, very ambitious. They're winners. And uh, I don't know where we're going to go. There's nobody making wild predictions. We have an awful long way to go. Um, but, uh, you know, I think our players deserve that. The least they deserve is to be to create that environment where they have a chance to be successful. I said that to John Mahon four or five weeks ago. I'd love a lad to, you know, to look, finish up at 32 or 3 or whatever age and say that was the best 15 years of my life in that yeah. off the jersey and I never and that's what I had when I was playing that that'll never be replicated no matter what happens in my life that's the best and Michael how important was the uh, you know Shane Larry's contribution it's not only as was great to have someone like that a well-known person who's so popular and involved and, and really interested in the county but even just the, the financial element of it like how vital is it to get a contribution like that yeah look um delighted with that end of it um but it's 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 way more than that. It's it's to have it's it's the genuineness of that man and the interest that he has and like to go out and do, I, I think maybe sometimes you're looking at it, you, you maybe don't realise how difficult on the world stage that there's so many. Uh, if you go down to your own club, I play. I'm going to actually go out to play golf with Joe Dooley and Dahi Regan after a while, and that won't be that won't be pretty. Now I can guarantee you that. <laughs> um, but how hard a game it is like, and this man is there last night tied sixth again in the Memorial, and the genuine passion that he has and. 
I was talking about this, and this is very good for him as well. And I was talking to Brendan, his dad, last was it last Monday week, and I was saying Shane texted me um, about four o'clock after I was coming back from Carlo after beating Carlo, and he was teeing off at five o'clock in the PGA, like in a major an hour later, and he's looking up the after results, and, and he had been on to me, and we'd beaten Tipperary the day before in, in the football. And Brendan made a great point to me. He said, he said, it was no coincidence, he said, that Shane played so well over the weekend. He said, the lift he would have got from the footballers winning Saturday and you winning today, uh, he said, it's brilliant for him as well. And that's the way it is. It, like, we called it, we didn't know what to call it. We didn't know what to shape, put, to put on it. So we called it a partnership. And that's exactly what it is. And he's, he texted me there, he said, I'm coming home on such a day. Would it be okay if I went out to maybe watch the lads train or something like that? And, and, that, and he's so happy to be involved. And it's something I think that will grow because like, we don't really know what we're going to do with it. There's going to be a couple of events a year, maybe something overseas, something at home. Um, and it, it's it's and most of the money will be geared towards our, our coaching and games uh, plan um, in terms of our GPOs and, and trying to help the clubs. It's a big commitment for, you know, it's, it's 20 grand for a club or a combination of clubs for a GPO, which is a lot of money for a lot of our smaller clubs. So we'd love if we could, like we, we, we also contribute maybe seven or 8,000 and then Leinster pick up the tab for the rest. But we'd probably like to be able to maybe help the clubs a little bit more with their side of things. Um, if we could maybe, you know, down the road, if we could could have maybe a hundred grand a year there to, to feed into that uh, pool for GPOs. Uh, so that's where we're that's what we're looking at there, and that's where Shane is 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 obviously focusing. There. But he's great. He's a great guy. He's a, such a sound fella, and uh, he probably captures the awfully uh, spirit. I suppose his background with his dad and his uncles have been great footballers. But you know, he has that charisma, and that bit of class, and 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 just down to earth, nice fella. And I suppose, you know, maybe in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when Offaly were going well, that was a lot of what Offaly was about. So I think it ties in really well. Yeah, Vernie, like it is such a big boost for the county, as we mentioned, the finances is one thing, but the kind of intangible boost you get from having someone like Shane Larry so committed to the cause, as Michael said, texting him before a, a final round of a major championship, it shows his passion for the game. And it must give everyone in the county a boost who's been involved, who's involved in GA. Yeah, no. When I when I saw that coming through, uh, the the partnership, you're just thinking you know, things are going, things are starting to go well on the pitch, uh, and nearly more importantly, things are going well off the pitch because if things are going well off the pitch, that generally will uh, will transfer over, and it's just it's just a really good, uh, it's just a really good uh, enthusiasm and everything around the county now. As I said to you a few weeks ago, the hurlers footballers both won, the ladies footballers won, the Camogie team won, and Lowry was fifth in a, in a major like. There's a lot of things kind of snowballing at the moment. Uh, no, we, Michael has briefly mentioned it there. If the footballers can get promotion to Division Two, that would be absolutely huge. They have they face a tough task, obviously, against the weekend against Fermanagh. But yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, a word Ben Kennedy said to me yesterday was about how things snowballed when they were going badly, and all of a sudden, you know, it gathers pace and things just get worse than maybe you could have ever considered. And all of a sudden now, I'm kind of thinking that it's, it's snowballing the other way and things are going really well in, on all fronts, really. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we, can, we can keep it going. It'd be massive to get promotion at the weekend. But just the, the energy around the county, um, the energy was sapped out people probably over the last four or five years, but everyone's kind of on a bit of a high. And like, I, just, I can't wait, just can't wait till uh, particularly Offaly supporters can get back into matches now because they've, they've been following on... You know, awfully GA TV and uh, GA Go and that in, in recent uh, in recent months, and people are just mad to get back out. We're hurling Rhinus tonight in in a, in a, a league game. There's going to be a hundred people there. It's safe. They could hold a thousand or two thousand. They probably they probably would at this stage because people are just mad to get back to games. But yeah, there's a great energy and enthusiasm around, and it's it's great to be talking about things in such positive light again. Yeah, Michael, this was the last question before we let you go. And thanks for giving us uh, some of your time this morning. You know, so I know you said there's no one making big predictions going forward, but I suppose what what do you hope is the outcome now of your of your time involved in the county now? Like as Michael said, football and hurling are going well at the moment. You know, are, are you are you dreaming a bit of, of what the possibilities could be? Well, uh, I'd be wasting my time, and we'd all be wasting our time if we didn't think we could win all Ireland again. Um, that's the way I think. I might be a bit mad, um, but if you don't have that ambition, I heard a chairman some years ago saying that you know we'd never see that again. I couldn't believe it. I heard him comment at a function saying that we had overachieved over the years considering our population and uh, our resources, whatever. I don't believe that. Um, uh, you get, you know, it, it's 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 kind of been the awfully way. We won a minor All Ireland in '86. Um, I was on the team the first Leinster we ever won. We won the All Ireland. There was twelve lads from two clubs. There were seven from Borough and five from Rhinus. Making up the first fifteen, um, I'm living on a little road here out in the middle of nowhere, and 
Brian is here in this house. Ross Ravenhill is 100 yards up the road and Kieran Brooks 100 yards further up the road, um, nearly in Kilbegan, if you like. And we're that far over, Michael. You'll know what I'm talking about there. Um, from the other end of the county where, we, where I would have grown up in, in Banneran. So, and so, so I, 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 I do believe, anything, I, I believe in sport, anything is possible. If you have that ambition, you have the uh, confidence and um, I, you know, and I, I just, I was out, I was out in the Fairfield Fields last Friday night and I was, I just, I was kind of standing, uh, this year's minors or last year's minors, the 2020 uh, minors, hurlers were training and I was watching their match for about 20 minutes and then this year's minors then had a trial match, there was 30 of them and the under 20s were training down below, there was another 30 odd and the seniors were training and the hurling was serious, the, 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 the passion of the minors that were trying to get on the panel for this year's team. And 60, 60 odd lads were asked in for trials on the hurling and football minor teams, and everyone came. And that wasn't always the way either. And they're, they're all mad to go. And uh, and it's just it, so I suppose that that what I want first of all, I suppose, is you want to get that little bit of pride back in the jersey, which I think the lads are doing now. Michael mentioned the football. Like this week, I during the week I couldn't sleep during the week thinking about the match at the weekend. I said, this is so big. And then I'm looking following week playing to get up to Division Two in football. And to be in Division One hurling would be massive, and, and and it's positive pressure. That's what I would call it. Um, because if you don't win it, you're back to square one. Like you can dress it up any way you want it, but at the end of the day, it's what happens on the field is what's important. It's not any like the other stuff has to happen and will happen, and we will follow through on our plans. But it's what happens on the field is what really what people gives them the lift they're interested in. So, so we're stabilizing at the minute, and like I would be hoping over the next few years that we get really competitive again. And it will take a couple of years. There's no like there's no point saying it won't. And Michael said it. You know we don't. You see, you see Westmead and Leash, and um, but but then you see Antrim and what they're doing, and like we were six up against Antrim last year in the league, in it well into injury time, and the way they're playing, and 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 you know what Darren has done there. Um, so I think there's cycles in sport. Like sometimes the team is on the way up, and there's other teams on the way down. And I, I would say some of the teams that are around there for a bit haven't made the breakthrough, might be on a bit of a slide now. Um, so we have to try to get up the ladder. So look, like I'd be hoping if. I don't, these things tend to take 10 years, it'll take 20 years. I don't believe that. I think things can change very, very quickly uh, within a couple of years. I'm hoping within two or three years that we are going to be really competitive as a county again. It's certainly been one of the major success stories of the year so far in both football and hurling. I'd like to thank both Michaels for joining me on this week's episode of the Throwing Podcast in association with Alliance. We will be back next week with another show. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.